0: one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The
1: Howling
0: Buddy, and welcome back to the Howling Salt Mine Podcast, the podcast where we are searching in those salty, salty minds of the Magic: The Gathering subreddits, finding the saltiest posts we can find, hauling them up, and talking about them, seeing what we think, and uh, you know, maybe give a little bit of advice, or not. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> As always, I am your host Sam, and I'm joined today
2: by my two co-hosts, Mike and Tony. Say hey, guys. Hooler hey 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 <laughs> the way you said that i thought it was gonna it almost sounded like it was gonna be like not us but
1: us. <laughs> i know Someone right coming
2: in <laughs> i noticed that
0: as i was saying it i was like why did i say it that way <laughs> <laughs> what's new
2: with you guys it's rosh hashanah today Ooh, sweet which is a jewish holiday this is bad because I don't actually know what it is, but I know I'm going to dinner for it. Nice. And nice. like we made like a whole bunch of like baked goods, but like Apple is the theme. Who to thunk? Who to thunk? But what if you're like an Android person? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also life talk. Like I've been using a Mac for computer and for sorry, for for computer. No. For, <laughs> I've been using a Mac for computer. It's <laughs> <laughs> a sentence a normal human says. <laughs> I definitely am like starting to come more and more on Team Mac. Every time I go to use my PC, I'm like, God, why can't I do some of these things? Macs are great, man. I I had a Mac all throughout college. The only reason I don't have
0: one is that they're expensive. I've got (laughs) one right now. Maybe
2: one day. One day. (laughs) One day more. Another (laughs) day, another destiny. (laughs) What the fuck is that? (laughs) It's from Lee Miz. (laughs) I'm not a theater.
0: I'm not a theater kid. Oh, no, I've gone
2: too far. You could be if you wanted to be, Sam. I don't. I don't want to at all. What's this game we play and talk about magic?
0: Yeah, Magic the Gathering. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Magic the Gathering posts, salty posts, salty things. But Sam, what's salt? Great question, Tony. I appreciate (laughs) you asking. Salt is, you know, it's frustration in the game. It's when you come to the table with your people looking right tribal deck and somebody smashes your face in on turn four with a Thassa's Oracle demonic consultation <laughs> combo. I love the
2: concept of like people looking right. Uh, <laughs> that's totally, that's totally like a, I think is this like not a like a thing? In my head, it was like cards where the art is like only people looking to the right. That is, is it. Is that, that is that exactly it. Yeah, that's it. So much yeah. I've never built a deck like that where it's just like, themed around the art but i feel like i totally should yeah i want
1: chair tribal
2: (laughs) chair tribal mike and i were talking about
0: like a pretty he was talking about like a theme deck which was the lady in the lake when it's emery with all of the the swords i don't know if we talked about it on this or if mike and i were just chatting i don't think it's like this is kind of a dope idea like that would be (laughs) that would be a themed deck that would actually that actually works, smash face. <laughs> right? Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> just try and go like deep on the Monty Python like watery tart sketch, <laughs> like, watery tart handing out swords. Is there a card called flesh wound?
2: <laughs> there probably is flesh wound. I feel like it's in black though. That's the problem. So you, now you got to go Demir mirror in order to get the real.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> but I think you can get like a. There must be a swallow card, like an African swallow. Yes. Or just run Stormcrow and pretend like a Stormcrow proxy that's holding a coconut. You could run Sunquan and give all your creatures
0: uh, horsemanship, and then bust out some coconuts while you're playing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, this deck sounds pretty good. Yeah, what are we making it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should be making this. Well, shall we get into it, guys? Jump into our first question here. Let us. Let us. All right, our first question comes to us from the EDH subreddit. And this one comes to us from user Jacob Astorius. If you guys see Jacob Astorius, give him an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that goodwill. And the post is titled, Do I run too much removal or does everyone else not run enough?
2: Mm. Hmm. The this age sounds like a post old question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Tony, you do not run enough removal. <laughs> <laughs> and the post goes, So I usually run at least 10 pieces of dedicated removal in my decks. I spend a lot of time making sure I can hit everything: creatures, artifacts, enchantments, indestructible, etc. Run both spot removal and board wipes. This is in addition to other cards that do double duty via ETBs or activated abilities. I prefer to play higher powered decks, but not fully optimized. Seven to eight. Hmm. The perfect tier that everyone plays at. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But in game, but in game after game. Let me do that again. But in game after game, I feel no one else has any answers to the problematic stuff except for, uh-oh.
2: Oh, Oh, how true.
0: (laughs) I usually have at least one piece of removal in my hand at all times. So what ends up happening is that I do all of the heaviest lifting and everybody else benefits. But then I get targeted for appearing too powerful via actually interacting with the table. I'm aware that an obvious answer is that maybe my threat assessment isn't very good but i'm usually hitting global enchantments and artifacts problematic commanders or engine pieces. and that's the post. Hmm.
2: I think this is so it hits home. It yeah, hits home it does. Cuz like <laughs> in our play group, honestly, i'd say that like everybody else is good at having answers. They're like pretty good. Like i actually, you know what? I'd say that Mike has the most kind of like universal answers to things and i feel like Sam and Nick both have a lot of answers that like save them. Mm. And then I just don't have answers. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, well shit, uh, that uh oh hit me so hard. I was like, that's definitely me. Yeah. tony
0: will pridefully brag that his deck doesn't have a lot of interaction. It's because be like, it has Can someone dealing with this? I removal. don't have interaction.
2: That's the only thing. I feel like for me, as like the person on the other side, it kind of stems almost from like the style of gameplay, like I like, I just like having an engine and a cool thing and like it not getting fucked up. So mm-hmm. I don't love fucking up other people's like little things, but then they true. usually <laughs> fuck me up. So it's <laughs> like, not, <laughs> it's not, not a great way to build a deck. But Every time I play
0: a problematic not. piece on the board, you're like, that should get removed. Can someone do that? It's getting powerful over there. Someone should yeah. remove that.
1: Uh-oh. You do not let other people just play their game at all. But it's a lie. Yeah. yeah, the uh-oh is the most relatable part in this piece of like, oh no, there's an issue over there. And yeah. I can't deal with it.
0: I feel like that's the most true in our CDH games. After, like, we've already all teamed up to stop somebody from winning, and they've like burnt through their interaction, trying to maintain their win. And then it falls flat and then it goes, keeps going around the table. And Mike is like, all right, I'm going to combo off with Emery. And we're all just looking at each other like, "Uh
1: oh, (laughs) I can't do anything. I'm tapped out and I have two cards in my hand. (laughs) But I think it, it it is an interesting question of am I running too little or is the or am I running too much or is the table running too little because mm-hmm. it sometimes is both and it might not even be a deck building thing. Like if your pod isn't super careful about priority and stuff, you know, you might just be the first person to speak up and say, OK, in response, I'll do something and remove it. Um, I've played in pods where. People aren't really careful to say, okay, the next person in turn order gets a chance to respond, and then the next person after that. And it can mean you know one person can take up all the space on removing threats like that. So that's another thing to consider. If maybe just wait, maybe someone does have removal and is hoping you'll be the one to burn the card to to deal with a threat. Yeah, I think a,
2: a good way of doing that too is like in CDH we're really good about this because it just like matters more, but mm-hmm. in casual even when it's not like my priority and like somebody like cast something that's scary that I think is scary, they'll be like, all right, so I do this and they go to do their next thing. And I'll be like, well, it's on the stack. Does anybody <laughs> want to do anything about that? It's like a big thing that I'll do to try and like encourage the, uh, the, the table to be like, yeah, no, that resolves and like hope that somebody does something, but it usually doesn't happen. Just like give
0: them a chance to to think twice about it, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's this concept of being like the table police or like the deputy at the table where you are keeping everybody honest and you are the one who's interacting the most. And it's something that in a practical sense happens at casual tables a lot where one person has a lot more interaction and they are kind of stopping everybody else. You know? you're all, it's almost like you're sort of playing like a de facto control player because you have the most interaction. Yeah. In CDH, it's actually like an intentional deck building strategy. So for example, I play a Marath CDH deck. Like in the primer for this deck, you know, for like the base version of this deck, I play a modified one. But in the primer for it, it says like, hey, we are Naya. We're red, white, and green. We will <laughs> not be the first person to interact. We're not the table police. <laughs> yep. and, and there's this element of, there's this element of like sticking to your own plan a little bit and letting other people interact first and like knowing that there's other interaction at the table. And that's why you can justify running a little bit less. Now, granted that's in CDH where all of the other decks are like, generally speaking, highly interactive just as like a baseline. But in casual, you can adopt that mentality a little bit where like Mike is saying, you don't necessarily need to be the first person to interact and you can let a bad piece land. And think about whether it is messing your opponents up more than you, that's a piece that you might just want to let land and kind of have people deal with the fallout of it and hold up your interaction for something that's really stopping your game plan. You know? There's also those pivotal moments for interacting where someone is about to combo off or go for a win and that's when you interact if it's just a value piece that lands sure it can snowball maybe you want to nip it in the bud but i think sometimes critically thinking about the timing of when you drop your interaction is going to help you feel less like the sheriff at the table and um
1: and maybe take some heat off you if everybody else is viewing you that way yeah i think you touched on a really good point and i think we've talked about this before too but your deck doesn't need to be able to deal with everything you know and people have experienced this in standard all the time you know a red deck it's not going to be able to kill an enchantment. If an enchantment hits the board, that deck's just going to need to deal with it for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. So there's some decks that might just not have an answer for that threat. But the answer is player removal. You know, every every deck should have a way of winning the game. So if you have a way of winning the game, even though those pieces are out there, that that can be your method. But if three people are doing that and one person's sitting there with control, it's going to lead to this very different feeling kind of balance of power. Yeah. And I,
2: I think like OP here, I, I think there's, they're seeing like what is becoming a little bit of an artifact of gameplay. I do think it's like kind of common for not a lot of people to have like removal. And, and it almost, if you're playing in a isolated pod, it almost gets worse. Right. Cause it's like <laughs> the other player, AKA me in this uh, situation, <laughs> is kind of like, well, the other people tend to get rid of stuff. I don't need to do it <laughs> yeah, until it like hurts me in a bad way. <laughs> like that
0: cdh mentality you know like you know that there's going to be at least two other decks running blue you know on average so you can just be like well i'm not going to be countering this stuff someone else probably will like my my archetype isn't control it's right. yeah, someone else is yeah. going to be filling that slot right i think this also extends in a slightly different way when it comes to board wipes like single target removal is one thing you know because often you do need to get rid of a a problem piece on board or something that's just giving tons of value and snowballing. It is in your best interest to remove that. But with board wipes often in our decks, I know Tony does this. We're cutting board wipes for player removal, right? Like if I'm playing a combo deck and and this is kind of specific to combo archetypes, but if I'm playing like a combo deck and I know that the board is just going to be massive and, filled with tons of opposing creatures and artifacts and things like that, when I think about that, my thought process is, do I run a board wipe to clear the board or do I try to combo out as fast as possible? Because I know I can still win in that board state. So there are some decisions to make in that way as well, when it comes to your interaction, running board wipes and things like that, which is like, what situations at the table can you still win in and which ones can't you win in? And then it's a question of whether you want to be stopping other people from getting their wins, which is more of like a single target removal situation, or just want to like kind of punch through and try to win on your own.
2: And from that perspective, I feel like a lot of what I I tried to do is actually like, how many non-combat wins do I have? So I don't need to worry about like the creatures that people have on the board of like trying to get through. So like if Mm I could remove board wipes to instead have some kind of combo win... Like that is like what I personally tend to do just because like for me, I hate board wipes because they just make the game go fucking longer, (laughs) even though they're like they're right to play. I find that more and more when they get played, everyone's just kind of like, uh, okay, like it is correct. It's the right move, but I'm just kind of like, uh, okay, I guess we're just going
1: to reset and keep going. (laughs) I feel like I'm the one holdout in our pod. That's like, no, just run them. Just run the board wipes. Because there's there's so many situations where we're all like there and someone's like, well, I have one piece of interaction to maybe remove one thing. And it's like, well, I can completely ignore that decision if I just nuke the entire board with a blasphemous (laughs) So, I, I, I will say in my defense, I do
0: still run board wipes, but I probably run like two to four in a deck. um and i i do try to make sure that they are asymmetrical or something that i can survive through like if you look at my alesha deck it's a lot of things that are like removing creatures based on like power thresholds or um or you know something like Mages of the disc that just like something like Mages of the disc (laughs) disc where i know that i'll have an an indestructible effect on board and i can like stay through that and and survive Mm -hmm. through it um But but yeah you're totally right mike i mean sometimes when those board wipes come down i am like oh thank god
1: (laughs) (laughs) so what do we think about the uh the salt rating here i always think that any post that's like what's what's going on with my pod here uh i always think those are pretty low salt rating because they're not not an existential crisis. There's no breaking of the pod coming. It's just a, it's just a, why does this feel bad? So I think it's pretty low salt.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, Mike. Uh, this is a pretty low salt post. I could see being frustrated by this game after game. If you are feeling like you're helping out the table or, or helping out others at the table by removing problem pieces. And then also, you know, we didn't really talk about it too much, but this element of being, the person who removes everything and everyone's like, oh my gosh, Sam is always removing my stuff. I'm going to knock him out first. Like to to feel like you're helping the table out by running lots of removal and then you're getting some blowback from it because you're seen as more of a threat, that can definitely lead to a frustrating and salty dynamic in a pod. Totally. Yeah,
2: I think the salt is like very in control here right now, but has a lot of potential to like... Yeah, yeah get like oversalted <laughs> for sure and like not really at the fault of OP here like much more at like every everyone should run removal and take care of things some of us never will <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Johnny>. <laughs> <laughs> so funny
2: <laughs> another
0: i have another one you know i do and this one comes to us from the edh subreddit and this is posted by CLT Sinister One. And if you see them, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that goodwill. Which, by the way, my friend Matt was like, you should say that because that's a really great line. <laughs> I guess spread I said it in one will. episode. You know the drill. Spread the goodwill. And, uh, <laughs> Hello. and he, he was like, he was like <laughs> that's <laughs> great. You whole. should say that all the time. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know the drill. Spread, Can do. The, will. spread the goodwill. Isn't it karma that you spread, though? Yeah, but it's still Goodwill. It's so still will. People. Yeah. I don't know. There's some Reddit neckbeard somewhere being like, it's karma. <laughs> this post is titled, Opinions
0: on Coaching in Commander Games. Uh, this one's kind of similar to the one that we talked about with the play to win guys, but a little bit different. And the post goes, at tonight's game, we had a player in a four-player commander game who wanted to coach another player who he said was not really comfortable with the deck he brought even though it had demonic tutors and other expensive cards. It's like a $400 plus deck. I sat by and was the first player taken out due to the coaching from the other player, who incidentally was also rocking super expensive decks containing things like Rhystic Study, etc. How does everyone else feel about this or deal with it? I'm honestly so tired of seeing one player coach others, but always wants the player to pick plays that only hurt the other two players or benefit themselves. In my experience, in games where this happens, the guy offering coaching always ends up second, if not first place, at the end of the game. In my opinion, players should shut the fuck up and let other players. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: All right, <laughs> and let other players make slash plan their own moves. Especially if you're running a deck with top tier cards in it. If you're running a 100% precon and/or are a totally new player, I can see some coaching help. But the moment you throw in a ton of cards over $10 in a deck, you should have to figure out your own damn self, just like I have been expected to do.
2: So this is another one of my personal favorite, like like get good, like this other person is just better at politicking than you. Like, Is it frustrating? Sure, but like if no I'm way. like... That's not politics, dude. That's, not Coaching. that's definitely politics. Coaching. If you're in a game and that's someone not, if you're politics. in a game and somebody is like giving you advice on how to play and they're taking all of it, and letting you get like second place. That's definitely no, a form of politics. If
0: I said, if I said, if we were playing a game and my friend was like, Hey, I'm brand new. Can you help me pilot
2: my deck? And I was like, sure, I'll help you. That's not politics. But I don't think that's like the scenario that was that given here. That is the scenario that we just read. I I don't know. That's just not the, the take I took on it,
0: it. It's, it's, I mean, this is coaching. This is a person who wanted to coach another player who's not comfortable with their deck. Someone sitting down being like, I don't really know how to pilot this deck. Someone else being like, hey, I'll help you pilot the deck for the entire game. That's Is not, that what
2: that's was said, though? I guess that's all. just not how I interpreted, like, when you read it. Yeah, I, yeah, that, that's that's what was said. Right, Mike? Am I crazy? Yeah, that's the first, that's, like, the first two lines. I understand on that coaching OP, like, commands. wrote it that way. I just, I didn't take it as, like, this person literally was like, I don't know how to play my deck. Can you, like, tell mm-hmm. me how to play my deck?
0: Yeah, I think it's, like, it's... It's like backseat driving, right? Yeah. It's very different. Like if you were playing a spell, if you were playing some removal, Tony, and I was like, hey, I think it would be more optimal for you to send it at this person. That's a different thing. If you were like showing me your hand and I was like, you're going to want to play this removal on Mike's blah, blah, blah. That's so different.
2: Well, yeah, I totally agree. I guess. I don't know. To me, just when you read it, that was how I interpreted the first scenario, not like the second of like literally every step of the way. He's like telling him how to play.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like that's what's going on. Somebody completely coat, like to me, coaching implies like handholding and, yeah. and it's a one-on-one. It's not like the other three people at the table have an opportunity to be like, Hey, you can do a more optimized play here. Like, let's all talk through it. It's like one player leading another player through a game and leading to this dynamic where the coaching player is always ending up in like, like OP said, the coaching player is always ending up in second or first place at the end, basically coaching this other player to remove the two other people
1: and then they like smash them for the win. (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. Fucking bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it kind of speaks to, like there are versions where someone doing this kind of coaching could be completely okay. And I think the main differentiator that you would use to identify this is if the person in this kind of coach role at some point is like, okay, at the end of the day, right now, you should be removing my piece, you know, like if someone is actively trying to help someone learn the game and not just trying to like squeak out a win, they're going to, they're going to point out when they're the threat, they're going to point out when something that happens that doesn't benefit them uh, is the right thing to do. And I could imagine that not happening and and leading to this kind of salt. Yeah, like to do this effectively,
0: you need to look from that player's perspective from, from the, the new player's perspective with like a totally blank slate in mind, like pretend you're in their shoes, look at all three opponents, including your own deck and say like, this is the optimal play for you in this moment. And sometimes that's going to include like, you know, as the coach having your own stuff get crushed because you're probably in like the best position. Yeah. But it's like this, this post, the way it's phrased kind of stinks of manipulation of a new player to um, to basically have the coach end up in like a, an optimal position.
2: Yeah. Which is icky. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yucking some yums for sure. Yeah.
1: These yums are thoroughly yucked. (laughs) There's also this
2: element
0: of um, showing up with like a very expensive deck that you don't know how to run um and you know the op basically saying like hey you should probably start with like a pre-con level commander deck if you are looking to like if you are a new player and you're looking to like get up to speed with things i'm a little like on the fence about that yeah, one I'm, i agree i'm not huge on calling people out for like dollar values in their deck because quite frankly it often um it it, it hmm, how do i say this it is an element of deck strength like cost is definitely a factor but not always the deciding factor like yeah i think in our last episode uh the fan mail episode we talked about how one person was playing this like totally blinged out super heavy combo chatterfang deck and they were getting just like walloped by someone playing a seven dollar sarulf deck <laughs> right you <yeah>. know <laughs> and, like in this other magic group i plan we have a guy who is constantly trying to run these really low to the ground inexpe- inexpensive decks and he just like beats our asses with them and he's like oh this is like a $15 deck and it'll just like crush us you know like the right cards and the right commander it your dollar value doesn't matter as much but it is a factor
1: yeah we,
2: did you uh, did you say you play with another group <gasps>
0: or oh, these other um, people
2: Uh, cu- cut this cut this out <laughs> <laughs>
1: do you have another podcast too
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah this is a good time to plug my other podcast uh, (laughs) I think the other important thing to that too is that like there's so many resources out there telling like new players like these cards are all really good right and so like if you're especially if you're new you're going to be inclined to want to get a bunch of those and like in particular like tutors and things like that all that really does is Mm -hmm. make your deck more consistent that's like Yeah, I do understand like there's an element you got to know what to go grab. And I guess they're looking for help for that. But like, I I don't fault a new player for that.
1: No. And I kind of, I totally agree with what Sam was saying. And I kind of reject the idea that more expensive cards are more confusing to play with like that seems to be the point that's almost being made of like oh if you're a new player you should start with simpler things it's like running an imperial seal is just as easy to understand as you know a diabolic tutor they're the same effect they're just different costs so (laughs) i think the argument study is
0: like the most simple card you
1: can play like you just drop it and you're like do i get to draw a card or not (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's right so some of the most expensive powerful cards are also very understandable. So I don't know that you need to restrict new players to pre cons. Uh, I think the pre con restriction and recommendation is really more important to avoid new players needing to deck build. But if that's not an issue they're facing, then I don't think you need to encourage them to stick with with pre cons.
0: I think we talked about it in a previous episode. um, But there is sometimes this element of people net decking, building something really, really strong and not knowing how to pilot it, that can lead to salt at a table, whether it's somebody taking really long turns, just not really understanding like their own triggers and things like that. So I do think that there's a a small element of that in here where like new players can start on whatever deck they want, but there should be a level of comfort and familiarity with the cards that you're playing. Mm -hmm. At some point when you're new, you're gonna have no comfort and familiarity with any cards, regardless of the dollar value, because you're just new to the format and you're not really sure what you're playing, you know? Like you're still learning at that point. So, like you you also have to understand that that's gonna be there. Are you saying
2: GitRod combo loops are not good for new players, Sam? <laughs> oh Get Rod combo loops are not good for me.
0: <laughs>
2: oh man. What a confusing deck. (laughs) I literally wanted to get that deck. And then I was like, I'm, I'm too slow for this deck. Like (laughs) I can't do this. I played it twice and I was like, I think that's enough.
0: (laughs) It is really fun when it happens, but you have to bring up the primer and just read it. Yeah. Uh, People who know that shit are like on another level. I want to know who
2: made that shit. (laughs) Oh,
0: dude. So spicy. It's crazy. Um, My opinion on coaching in commander games, just to kind of really straight up answer the the question in the post title. I think that when there's a situation like this, everybody at the table should be the coach. Mm. You should sit down with this new player say, Hey guys, we're playing with somebody brand new today. Uh, You know, for, for our group, we joke about unsanctioned games, which are really games that don't get recorded in our giant game tracker that I maintain. And that's what I would say. I'd say like, hey, this is an unsanctioned game. If you win, great. If you lose, great. This is about teaching a new player how to play the game. And all of us are going to help. Maybe sometimes we'll reveal our hands. Maybe sometimes we'll like speak a little bit too much about our overall strategy more than you would at a typical table. Mm -hmm. You know, if you really want to give somebody that good coaching experience, make it a group effort. And then no one is going to feel like shitty or slighted at the end of the day. And you're going to give that new player a really good experience.
1: Yeah. I think either we all coach this player or none of us coach this player is a great way of approaching it. Especially if you have multiple games ahead of you in that night
0: um, or, or wherever you're playing. Like do a full coaching session that first game, then shuffle up for the second game and do no coaching. Totally. And say like, hey, training wheels are off now. Let's see how you do. And And don't change decks and things like that. I think that can be a really awesome experience for a new player. For sure, what do we think of us salt rating
2: here? Hmm. For me, it felt casual and like not that much until he was like, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, there's a little rage salt in there," but it's like kind of momentary salt. <laughs> mm. What is like even a good like?
1: <laughs> mm.
2: That was the vibe I had for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's overall pretty salty though. It's it's an overall really uncomfortable situation for the table, like Sam was saying. It it wrecks the whole thing. Yeah. It's also not doing any favors for that new player's future in the game, which is the part that I like the least about it. You know, you're not really helping that player learn more if you're just backseat driving. So I really, that makes me sad. Yeah, this is definitely a high salt
0: post for me. Firstly, I really feel for the OP here. I think this is a super frustrating situation. Because you're basically, from the way it's worded, it sounds like you're playing against another player who's running two decks, you know? Like, more or less. Yeah. And and there's also, like, heavy manipulation at the table, which I'd never like to see. And like you're saying, Mike, this new player is having a... They're not going to come out of this with the best experience. Maybe they will learn some things, but to be that new player and see other people getting frustrated at the table, that's not, like, a great way to start the hobby anyways, you know? With a little bit of that salt in there no i mean i agree i think i think players should let other players make their own moves and should kind of keep that to themselves with the caveat that everybody is coming to the table to say hey there's going to be like a a group coaching experience for this new person teach them how to play the game um but yeah it's, it's a salty situation you know it, it's kind of unfortunate for op and for the new player and uh you know this coach is, is not much of a coach at all. They're just kind of manipulating people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Cool. Well, hit us with another. Another. All right. Lisa, I want some more. This next post
0: comes to us from the EDH subreddit, and it comes to us from user exoticside6717. If you see them on the subreddits, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that. goodwill. Or karma, as Tony corrected me for earlier.
2: That's... <laughs>
0: <laughs> the internet is who demands it, not me. <laughs> and the post is titled, My opponent doesn't want me to touch the cards I stole from him.
1: Mm. Mm. We've seen this. How true, yeah. how true. <laughs> we talked about this one in our,
0: in our, uh, our like, pod Discord. <laughs> so the post goes... I have a deck where the main strategy is stealing permanence. People usually don't have a problem with it, but there is a guy who refuses to let me touch his permanence and says that he will do the things with the card that I want to do. This both slows down my turns considerably, especially at bigger tables, and gives me one more thing to pay attention to during the game. He gets pretty upset if I touch it accidentally. I just wanted to ask this sub, is this reasonable? Sorry if my question is stupid. I'm pretty new to the game. Mm.
2: I not a stupid it,
1: question not a stupid yeah. question but and i do no. think
2: it is important to like never touch other people's cards though unless you like ask first because and, and like i'm sometimes a bad offender of this because it's like within our our pod like i just know you guys and it's like chill and it's cool but some people do have like either like really nice cards or 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 like expensive versions of things and so it is important to always be like even if you just want to like see it like what it does like to just be like hey can i can i touch like like, do you mind if i
0: take a look at this card and things like that yeah
2: and i think most people are chill about it but i think there's some salts coming in from the perspective that their permanent has been stolen and it Mm -hmm. isn't just like a i
1: i think that uh, being able to interact with game pieces is such a core part of a game that you you need to be able to interact with other people's cards and oh, yeah. i think the onus is on the person that's super crusty about not having their cards touched <laughs> <laughs> super crusty super crusty that's what oh, this I person is that.
2: being lot of crust value <laughs> yeah the salt has just formed it's a, crusted. a crusty it layer rusted over <laughs>
1: I just, I think that person. The onus is on them to bring an entire proxied version of their whole deck or something, so that if someone's <laughs> stealing a permanent of theirs, they can give them a, a fake version or like a token copy of something. Yeah. This is That's hyperbolic, but it really is on the person that doesn't want their cards touched to have a reasonable solution for how they're planning on playing a game that requires their opponent to touch their card. What's your strategy for that, if that's really how you feel? Mm. This gets me going because I think it's really dumb when people don't let each other touch a piece <laughs> of cardboard that's just me. But
2: for the record, I think even if it was a fully proxy deck, this person would not let them <laughs> touch their cards.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I got a couple of thoughts on this one. The, f- the first is I agree with you, Mike. I think it's kind of stupid that um like like I'm just thinking of the play pattern here, right? Like the person who th- stole the creature is like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna attack with this creature. Can you can you tap it? And then like they reach <laughs> over and tap it for you. And, and also, like, where are these stolen cards going? Are you able to take them and put them on? Well, you're not taking them and putting them anywhere. But is the opponent taking them and putting on your mat for you so everybody understands the game state that you control those? And then they're reaching over and tapping them for you? Because I'm just unconsciously, like, rearranging things on my own mat. Like, what if you need to slide it over to make room for a new creature you're casting? You have to be like, hey, can you slide your creature over a couple <laughs> inches? It, oh, man. What a, what a drag on the pace of the game to yeah, introduce this element. Sure. And then the second thing that you talked about, Mike, which I think is a really good point, is like, you got to come with a solution, right? Like, I think about our pod. One, when we play in person, no one gives a shit. You just grab cards. You you, you got to make sure at the end of the game, everybody's getting everything shuffled back to their own deck because we've had that happen a couple of times. That is key. Especially yeah, with have similar definitely colored to sleeves. walk away with like Nick's <laughs> cards. Same yeah. with mine. Like, we all have like red happen. sleeves or something. That's dangerous. Yeah. But when we play over webcam, I mean, you can't grab that permanent, right? So all of us have like token cards on, you know, on our desks when we're playing. Some of us have those like, you know, white plastic cards that can be used like a little whiteboard. I've got like paper ones that I just draw tokens on ad hoc when I need them. And that type of solution can be brought to the meat space where <laughs> when we're playing in person. <laughs> you know, like you can, you can take your card, move it off of your mat, maybe like tuck it under the front of your mat or something, and then give somebody a proxy of it and they can play with that. Like it's not... It's not unheard of. I don't think that would be too disruptive to the game, quite frankly, because we're already doing that over webcam and it's totally fine. So that could be a solution here. But you just you got to have something in mind for that kind of stuff. I don't think you can be too precious with it.
2: Yeah. I also think that's like just a good, like life thing, <laughs> like in general, yeah. like don't just be the problem, like have the solution, like as well, like provide something yeah. to be like, this is how we can like resolve it. Like, no, I don't want you to touch my thing, but like, this is what we should do instead. Th- that's like a very good life thing. Totally. Uh, I feel like that's something I use at work literally all the time. <laughs> I was just about to say, <laughs> yeah. you spoke like a true manager. <laughs> yeah. Like literally all day, every day.
0: <laughs> I think that if I was the opponent here. I would be feeling awkward about the hit to the pace of the game that I'm bringing by kind of putting up a stink about this, you know? Yeah. And I think you're spot on, Tony. You said this at the start of this question. I think that there's an element of this person being salty that their shit is getting stolen. So they're like, well, I'm going to be kind of an extra little dickling here and (laughs) make it so it's really annoying for you to steal my shit. And maybe now you're not incentivized to steal my stuff. A crusty dickling. A crusty dickling. <laughs> oh
2: <my> <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a new level.
1: Yeah, was, wasn't ready for that today. <laughs> and
0: one other point, uh, not, not to hog the mic here, but just to to sit in the shoes of the person who doesn't want their cards to be touched. I do wonder if like, there's a horror story in that person's past with a card that got touched and bent or damaged or something like that. And now they're a little bit more guarded with their cards. Um, cause that kind of stuff does happen. And if at the beginning, if this person was just like, Hey, I don't really want you touching my cards one time, you know, my Imperial seal got bent in half cause someone was being shitty about it. Or like, I still have a Cheeto stain on my <laughs> alpha source to shares, you know, and, and,
2: just kind of I think like that share a little increases bit that. I I think the value would of that sort of supply share, though. <laughs> Vintage
1: Cheeto dust, dude. <laughs> yeah, that shit is priceless. Flamin' <and> Hot, <laughs> yeah. initial release of Flame and Hot.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think that that kind of stuff, like even just sharing that, will kind of help your table be a little bit more courteous to that kind of stuff, and. And it sort of answered the question of like, oh, is this person just being a dickhead? Or, you know, is this like a really
2: justified concern that they have? So what is that sweet, sweet salt rating on this one? We may already have it like a crusty dickling
1: worth of salt. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I wish that was all editable out. <laughs> it's not at all. So Um. Yeah, this would make me super salty personally. So uh I'm I'm by the transitive property assigning this a high salt rating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'll
0: say a protracted metaphor here. This is like <laughs> this is like you are, you know, sitting down to dinner uh with some friends. We got a lot of food metaphors, but I guess you eat salt, so that makes sense. Um you're sitting down to dinner with some friends. And your, your meal is kind of bland and you're like, Hey, can I get some salt? And they're like, uh, no, actually you can't. (laughs) And you're like, well, I just need like a little bit. And they're like, yeah, I don't really want anyone salting the meal. uh, More than I already salted it. And I don't really want you to touch it. Actually, Um, I could salt it for you. I can, I can bring the salt shaker over and salt your meal for you, but you can't do it yourself.
2: Like, yeah. I almost, I almost view it break. as like, you're at that dinner and they're like, oh, do you have any salt? And they're like, yeah. They're, they're kind of like, they won't actually give it to you. Like, they're like, I do have salt. Yeah. Like, yeah oh, I have can it. I, could I have it? Uh, could you pass the mashed potatoes actually? Yeah. <laughs> just like totally just, like <laughs> no. Nope.
0: Yeah, yeah, just like <laughs> completely disregarding you. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean this this would get me super salty if I was in this situation. Um I, I just I know I keep saying it over and over, but like the hit to the pace of the game would be mind numbing for me. Like, I really want I almost want to reach back out to the OP and be like, did they at least let you put the cards on your side of the table? Because can you imagine in like oh,
2: definitely didn't would in a four make it player worse? game?
0: That's confusing enough. And they were talking about like big tables, like this is like a five or six person game. And the person on the other side of the table is not going to let you put the creature you control on your mat and is sitting on their mat. Oh my God! Unreadable board state. Like,
2: yeah. Like, well, you imagine like somebody else goes use. to swing an attack, and it's like, oh, actually, I'm gonna block with with that. Yeah, over block there. with that
0: creature that's six <laughs> feet away from me. That's yeah. actually on my board. If you if you'll recall, it's like oh, oh, it's so terrible. Anyway, is it, uh, is it that time of the week? Oh man, you know it's that time of the week. It's oh, the time we wait for every week. Baby, It's time to ask Mike. <laughs> What's the salty card of the week?
2: All right. Well, the salty card (laughs) of the week. I thought it was going to happen. In my head, I was almost going to do some ABBA. I was like, I was like,
1: get some salt, get some salt, get some salt, get some salt. (laughs) Well, unlike those songs, the salty card of the week is much less fun. It is the (laughs) tabernacle at Pentrel Vale. Ooh. Is it at or of? Really?
0: Yeah. I'm salty that I've been saying that wrong for my entire magic career.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am too. (laughs) No, Uh, it is uh, zero mana uh, on account of it being a legendary land. And it has all creatures have at the beginning of your upkeep. Sacrifice this creature unless you pay one. So uh, Tony, Mr. Token Man, does this card make you (laughs) salty?
2: So. I feel like I have interesting salt on this. I don't find it salty, but the only reason why is because it's like fucking three or seven grand for the yeah, guard. It's like Four so grand like, right now. Nobody fucking has it. And so I have literally never been at a table that's played it. And so my salt level is zero from that regard. However, if it dropped, I, I would definitely be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> I would be pretty upset if it hit just because it's like so many of my decks like, want creatures and want to keep the mana that i have uh so like being like oh you can have one or the other that's basically what this says right it's like you can have mana for the turn or you can have your creatures and like your board state uh and yeah also like so many fucking token decks i would never be able to pay (laughs) it would be bad (laughs) there uh
0: sam this one make you salty yeah, this card definitely makes me salty. I will point out that I think we talked about this in episode 3. Oh no. Um not not as our salty card of the week. Oh, it was right. it was in a post about somebody who their table got super salty <laughs> oh, when yeah. a tabernacle came down. Um But yeah, this card definitely makes me salty. I mean, if I I also run a lot of creature decks, uh or, or decks with creature-based combo strategies and things like that. And this is one of those cards that it's either draining your creature resource by your sacking things you've already cast, or draining your mana resource to maintain the creatures you've already cast out. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of like this double whammy where you have to make a hard decision about, well, do I want to maintain my current board state but not have any progress moving forward? Or do I want to take a hit to my current board state? With the potential that i can be casting out new things and making progress um i ran tabernacle in a proxy of it but i ran (laughs) tabernacle in my chainville to fury deck and it was always like awesome whenever i dropped it out (laughs) because i didn't run any creatures and you guys were on these like creature centric strategies with your your early decks and it was just even in a cdh game even if you're denying someone like one to two mana a turn or they have to sack like a couple permanents like like mana dorks and stuff that's huge value. Like that is that is a
2: major hit to those strategies that yeah. need to be so tight. I think one of the things I was actually thinking as we were talking about it now, it's it's one of the few cards that I would be like if it came down, I'd be like, is it real? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's not, I, I definitely would kind of be like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> like in our in our like CDH pods, like it's different, but it's just I almost mean like just kind of like out and about. I would just be much more like. It's not real. I'm not okay with it. Like, <laughs> normally I'm cool like you just proxy shit, but like that that's like I think it'd be a step too far for me, which I guess speaks to the salt I would feel.
0: Yeah, it's salty enough for it's you. It's situational you that I allow you to play
2: it. as <laughs> like a proxy.
1: <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about this one, Mike? Uh, I have never seen it in a game or, you know, maybe the one time in CDH when you dropped a proxy version of it. So, it I've never had the experience of being made salty by this card. Uh, but I do want to shout out the additional salt that this card has induced out in the world by not being opened in packs that people are hoping to open it in, because <laughs> <they, laughs> everyone they they just redistributed uh, all of those legends, legends cards into packs, and so so many people are like ripping. I think it's Dominaria packs, like yeah, looking for their looking for their golden ticket. Uh, so. That That is the extra piece of salt that I like about this card that I, I felt like shouting out, too. Is Someone it? did rip a tabernacle. Yeah, um,
0: I think
2: they're in... Hold on, I'm going to look it up. Somewhere in Southeast Asia, right? Yeah, I think so. Where, did, where does this actually lie on the list, Mike? This is
0: 19. Someone opened a tabernacle in Singapore. Yep. Which ah, so is, like, dope as hell. Like, so awesome. I'm so glad that at least somebody got it. <laughs> But it, it is really funny to see like box breakers chasing it and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's they're like, I got kobolds of care keep. All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely some spice. Yeah, it's certainly a salty card. I, I will say it is, um, you know, having played it in a deck, it is. It is shitty to play a land that doesn't tap for mana. <laughs> like, like there, there's a there's a bit of feel bad there where you're like, yeah, this is gonna like really impact the board, but I'm not really ramping, uh, or I'm not really like hitting my mana drops as I should be. Like you are when you're playing a card like that, you're choosing to to miss a land drop essentially because
2: yep. that's not gonna tap for mana. In my Rubinia deck i have a similar land yeah <laughs> called yeah. ice flow i think <laughs> that doesn't tap for mana and you may choose to not untap it during your untap step maybe no actually i think all it does is it like removes it no, removes it a creature from combat and it then removes it a creature has, from combat
0: you can't untap it
2: but only if it doesn't have flying i think or yeah. if it does have flying but it does. It does have like the text on it of like you may choose to not untap Iceflow, so I put it in there. But, like, when I play that and it doesn't provide mana, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? It's, it's a very <laughs> bad card.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, Maze of Ith does the same thing. Same thing as well. Um, Maze of Ith does not tap for mana. Yep.
2: Yeah. It, but it that like is just actually removes. universally useful. Like Iceflow is, is not. But yeah, yeah that, <laughs> that it was that in there success. for some flavor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I think that's it for the, uh, the salty card of the week. Awesome. Thanks, Mike.
0: Appreciate that. And that is it for our episode today, dear listeners. Thank you for tuning in again. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I hope you dug our mailbag episode last week. If you want to be on our next fan mail episode, email us your salty stories to the howling at gmail.com Of course, we always ask those stories to be short, sweet, and to the salt. You've heard enough episodes by now where you know how we love to have those written. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We want to hear stories where you made your opponents salty, stories where you got really salty, maybe a salty confessional, where you want to come to us and kind of get something off your chest because you went a little overboard on the salt. Whatever that may be, we would love to read it and potentially read it on the show. Uh, If you guys want to follow us on social media, we are at the Howling Salt Mine on Instagram, we are also at Howling Salt Mine on Twitter. That has no T H E at the beginning because there are character limitations over there. Boo. Boo. <laughs> um, Find us on Reddit at the Howling Salt Mine, and uh, if you guys see us over there, you know, say hey. Um, we're posting weekly, just asking some like interesting questions to the EDH subreddits announcing our new episodes as well. If you guys find any salty posts on Reddit and you want to summon us into those posts, tag us. We love that. Not only yeah. is that like some kind of interesting advertisement sometimes, uh, it's also just a really fun moment for us to like pop in and be like, oh, this is a great post. <laughs> and we'll we'll reach out to the OP of that post and try to get it on the show. You guys got anything else to plug here?
1: No. no, nope, I don't think so.
0: Well, we're going to be at Magic 30 in Vegas. So if you guys are out there, try to track us down. We'll have some Howling Salt Mine t-shirts that we're wearing. So we are those people, if you see us. And uh, we'll have some, <laughs> we'll have some um, exclusive treasure tokens that we'll be handing out to people as well. Uh, so if you find us, you know, track us down, we'll, we'll get you one of those. Um, I also, I don't think I've plugged them in a couple episodes. and That's probably my mistake. But if you guys are ever in uh, South Windsor, Connecticut, go hit up the Battle Standard. It is a great LGS. Uh, They're they're friends of the pod. and They've been super supportive of us. And they just have a a great meta for EDH games. If you want to be playing like some tabletop miniature games, like Warhammer 40K or anything else, um, they have beautiful terrain tables. And it's just a really fun space. So go check that out if you're in the area. Well, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we will see you next week. As always, stay salty, and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step.
2: It's the Howling Salt
1: The Howling Salt You guys want a cold one?
0: Oh, <laughs> rip it and rip it baby hell there, yeah i wish that you did that in <laughs> like the hellos mike it's 11 a.m you're cranking a beer
2: dude <laughs> is that really hey no it's a it's a truly it's, it's not a beer <laughs> it's not a truly either it's a celsius no. it's it's definitely a truly you just like no. put a celsius like sticker around it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mike that's what just happened. wrote
0: Celsius with Sharpie on a truly can yeah. <laughs> it's a proxy, guys. It's a proxy. It's a proxy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so good. Uh proxy beverage. Let me double check. This next post comes for from <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a double blooper episode for sure. <laughs>